the first week, hey, there we go. <laughs> the first week we learned about idols and how when we chase after things that are not of God, they're kind of like bubbles. They're nice and pretty and shiny and float so wonderfully in the air. But eventually, they disappear. Eventually, the bubble breaks. And when we chase after things that are not of God, even those good things, if we chase too much after them and they replace God in our life, they're going to bust. And they're going to leave us feeling like a broken bubble. Last week, Pastor Kurt had this big suitcase up here and was trying to stuff it full of stuff. It reminded us that sometimes we are lured into wanting to keep everything, all of our baggage, so to speak. And when we do that, when our hands are full or our suitcase is full of everything that we like and that makes us comfortable, we can't grab on to new discoveries. This morning, we have some jelly beans. You can't. 
situation where we wish we had more time. We're hearing about the end of life for folks we love. That time can't be replaced. We've all been driving down the road a little bit late, and oh, there's a red light. What I wish I had a little more time. Or maybe you've been like me and you put cookies in the oven and forgot to set the timer to remind you when you take them out, only for an hour later for the smoke detectors to go off. And then you remember, oh, yeah, that's what I was doing.
If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another. Maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days. And we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing all other bathroom-related activities. And another 720 days will go to community activities, like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages, reading, checking Facebook, playing softball, maybe even teaching yourself how to play the guitar. So what are you going to do with this time? How much of it do you think you've already used up? If you only had half of it, what would you do differently? What about half of that? How much time have you already spent worrying instead of doing something that you love? What if you just had one more day? What are you going to do today? Spent 
lean into the heart of Jesus. And I think we can look in, in the Word and find our answer. We can look at the words that Jesus told us in the Gospels as to what was most important in order to see exactly what we need to do in order to honor God in the time that we have left. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and in John, we hear of the greatest commandment. We've, we've talked about this great commandment several times here at Trinity over the past several months. It is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus says these words, Matthew, Mark, Luke, very plainly, but in John it's a little different. He doesn't even talk about loving God, but he says, love thy neighbor. Love thy neighbor. That is what you need to do. I come as love so that you may love. The time we have left should be divided between the loving God and loving others. Not just to honor God, but to fulfill the great mission. You see, Jesus didn't say, love me and love others, just to have a happy place. He continued the great commandment and followed up with the great commission to go and make disciples. In his name, both locally, regionally, and internationally. In verse John, we hear that if we do not love our brother and sister, we do not love God. So if we are not loving one another, how can we really say we are loving God? And I have to tell you that I struggled with this message this morning about time and honoring God with our time. I had, I had everything written two weeks ago. I actually had to handwrite it because my computer was, was dead. I typed up a draft thanks to Pastor Jim's computer here. And God said, I don't know if that's right. But God, I, I can talk all about time management. I've got color-coded everything. And so I began to get frustrated. I began to get frustrated with Wasted all this time. I can time management, God. Why? Why is this not it? And as I began to repent of my frustration of wasting time, the song we saw heard in our 60-second kind of wrap-up, that's what he uses. Those frustrations, those times of what do I do with this time is what he uses. And then the events of last weekend in our country happened. And as I began to wrestle with, okay, God, I, I have this time next Sunday and I'm supposed to talk about time with, with the people that I love at Trinity Church. And I don't think I'm honoring God with my time if I don't talk about what happened in our country. If I don't take the time to do what Jesus did while he was alive and rebuke hate, I am not honoring God. 
Bishop. Bishop Gregory Palmer put out a letter this week to the entire West Ohio Conference. And uh, I don't think my words could ever be as good as what his words are. So I am going to share this letter from our bishop. But before I share, I would ask that you pray with me. Father God, we come to you this morning seeking your voice. Seeking your will for our time while we are here. Our time personally in our own lives and how we show our love for you and our love for others. But Lord, as a church, we want to honor the time that we have together to be a light, to show love to our neighbors, and to show you love, Lord. Because it is your grace that allows us to be here. It is your grace that allows us to be in community together. And Father, as we listen to the word that, that you have prepared through our bishops, we ask that our heart break for what breaks yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I am by no means have a voice like our bishop, but imagine a bellowing voice as I read these words from our bishop. He starts off with scripture. As he came near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. This is from Luke 9, 19, 41-42. And he begins his letter. On Saturday, August 12th, I was on a long 500-mile drive and was unaware of what was going on in Charlottesville, Virginia. Until someone reached out to me by text. That text led to a call, and the call led me to pull into a rest stop so that I could pull up what information I could on my cell phone. Needless to say, that even reading and watching for a few minutes on the small screen of a mobile device, I was horrified, angered, sad, and numb. I felt these emotions, and I still do. Since it first became aware of this tragic event in Charlottesville, dozens of verses of scripture have danced around in my heart and mind. But the two verses above, for reasons that I cannot concretely say, have come to me again and again. I suspect it has everything to do with my confidence in a God and a Savior who is not far off, but as near as our breath. It is likely also because that God made known in Jesus Christ our Lord both weeps for us and with us, especially when we have gone astray from God's dream for us. Finally, I suspect the text above is naming our apparent and general blindness about the way of peace. May God help us. The ugliness that results from failing to know and love all of our neighbors how deeply we are connected as human family has left three persons dead and nearly three dozen injured. Charlottesville and other communities are in turmoil specifically about the matter of race and inclusion. Competing visions of what is and who is America are leaving wreckage in every community. 
Physical deaths and injury speak nothing of the moral injury of hatred and divisiveness. It's taking a toll on everyone. We must cry, weep, and grieve for the loss of life and soul. The unwillingness and failure to do so will only put us in moral and social peril. Blessed are those who mourn. We are called to confess. I continue to be astounded at the vast resources that we have as a church to shape our prayers, especially confession. We should turn to them frequently, as they might well be a gift God intends for the church to give to the world. Pray again with me this prayer intended for personal and private use. Here's the prayer I ask you to pray together. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the need. Forgive us, we pray. Free us from joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. He continues. When this prayer is used in communal worship, it is most often followed by the invitation to pray silently. I have always understood and used this as my opportunity to get precise in naming before God my sin. It's my chance to be specific. So in the current context, a phrase like, we have not loved our neighbors, offers a wide berth to name racism and white supremacy. The unwillingness to name before God and our neighbor, our personal and social sin, keeps us in bondage and makes building beloved community near to impossible. We are not called to confess our sins in order to wallow in guilt. We do so to open ourselves up to the experience, the God gift of forgiveness, and the forgiveness that our neighbor might offer us as well. The former is already promised to us, the latter is a hoped for thought, not promised gift. In either case, our open and specific acknowledgement of our sins is warranted. So forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. If confession is about naming our personal and social sin, repentance, which is closely related, is about intentionally starting the turn in a different direction, to claim a different way of being and acting. We are forgiven and set free precisely so that we may act in new ways that are God-driven and neighbor-focused. Repent and believe the gospel. When Jesus calls us to repentance, he also calls us to produce fruit worthy of repentance. Our words, however sincere and aspirations, no matter how noble, cannot carry the freight alone. We must act in faith, with courage, and with confidence in the reign of God. I thank you for what you have done and are doing to heal the festering rooms wounds of racism, division, and violence in all the places where you serve. I encourage you to, these are the list of things he encourages us to do, continue
continue to pray. Prayer is not a meaningless staff to avoid the hard work of building beloved community. It is a sure reminder that what we undertake is nothing less than God's work and that we are accompanied in this work by the triune God. Second, preach with boldness. If you preach or plan or lead worship, lady or clergy, step into the heart of the matter with love, freedom, and confidence. The Book of Discipline charges me to guard, transmit, teach, and proclaim, corporately and individually, the apostolic faith as it is expressed in scripture and tradition, and as led and endowed by the Spirit to interpret the faith evangelically and prophetically. I charge you to do the same. The apostolic faith bears no resemblance to what happened in Charlottesville. Preaching and teaching and worshiping in the power of the Holy Spirit and with a heart of love and peace are all about shaping us into the likeness of Jesus. The very same Jesus who weeps for us and with us. Focus locally. Every community is either a Charlottesville waiting to happen or a community that has claimed its woundedness and is in some stage of healing on the way to the beloved community. Lest we forget, the alleged driver of the vehicle that bore into the crowd in Charlottesville was a resident of a community in the West Ohio Conference. So the question becomes, where is hate festering in your city, in your town, village, or hamlet? Are you prepared for your local church to be the catalyst for the host of a circle of grace, where the robust, truthful conversations can be instrumental to healing and reconciliation. If not, why not? What do you need for it to become a reality? And lastly, tell a story. If you're already doing something creative and exciting to heal your community or religious divisions, or you intend to do so in the foreseeable future, Share it as a witness and a testimony. Your story in your church and in your community may be just the inspiration another needs to wade into the Jordan and cross from the bondage to freedom. In the title above, I raised in part the question the Apostle Paul raised in the eighth chapter of his letter to the church in Rome. What then shall we say to these things? He offers a timeless and resounding response at the end of the chapter with these words. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus our Lord. With all my heart, Gregory Reed Palmer. These are the words from our bishop about how we are honoring our time for God and how we are not. I hope that this morning that you hear them in love and grace. In, in love for you and in love for the community around us. I do have to ask, how will we spend our jelly beans? 
as a church and as an individual. We need to get one of these more. Will it be more sweet? Or will it be more sour to those around us? How will we show love? Our love of God and our love for others. How can we make sure our jelly beans are God-centered and neighbor-minded? We are not just supposed to be God-centered and share all of our love with God and our praise and our prayers. That's one piece. The other piece is loving others. So how can we do that best? How can we do that best in a way that honors what we believe and we hold true to? Without shutting people out. There are a few things that, that you can do this week within the life of our church. They are on your insert at the bottom. Now these are things that we have looked at over the past few weeks. And you ask why we didn't do them again? Because they matter. How we use our time to honor God matters. So on your insert, there are three ways that you can honor God with your time this week right here at Trinity Church. The first one is showing my love for God as a part of worshiping here. Make a decision. Make a choice. Write it in your calendar. I'm going to be here with my worshiping community at least three times in the next month. You saw our sermon series promo for September, and we're excited about standing on the ledge of faith and figuring out how you take that next step without fear overcoming it. You can show your love for others by considering to be a part of our Connect team. And that Connect team is going to have an informational meeting on Tuesday, August 29th at 6 p.m. in room 208. You might say, what is a Connect team? How does that show love to others? A Connect team is something that we are forming to help connect with first-time visitors, first-time guests here at Trinity. So if you are someone who likes to make people feel welcome, if you are someone who would like to get to know some new people, this is not signing up to be a part of it. It is signing up to come here and learn more about it. Join me at 6 o'clock on the 29th for more information. And lastly, continue to pray for our leadership and attend the prayer gathering this Thursday. As a leadership team of this church, they're currently praying through what does future look like here at Trinity? What changes are on the horizon? Where is that future fruitfulness? What exactly are we supposed to be looking at? And as a leadership team, they are praying together with you to look for that direction so that together as a church, we can put into motion what we hear from God. And on the 24th, we'll be concluding those 24 days of prayer and listening for an answer. So join us as we show God's love and know that His mercy is upon us as we look to reach you out into our community and loving others. 
as you're thinking about what that might look like for you in the words from our bishop, if you have questions about that, let us know. If you would like a copy of that letter, let us know. Those were not my words, those were the words of our bishop. But, but know that as we walk through this next week and these next coming weeks, they are shared with grace and love, hoping that it helps our soul be well. Would you pray with me? Father God, we, we thank you for, for the opportunity to be here this morning, to spend time in your presence, to spend time wrestling with what it is that matters most, wrestling with our own set of sin, our own set of uncomfortable and uneasiness in the events of our country. What do we do? How do we show your love? Father, we know that it is your very voice that we seek. It is your will that we want to do. So as we seek your voice, may we put it